Hey everybody, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. I'm Andy. 111 miles to my southwest is Megan. Hello. And I forget the math we did last time, but some similar amount of miles to my southeast is Jason. Hey everybody. Hey Jason, are you are, is this you uh, are you in the three timers club now? I think so. Okay. I want to say yeah. Yeah, it's you and Justin Shapiro. You're, and also you're the two only guests who have ever been on the show. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm still not beating him yet. I'm on par with him. No, you're tied. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, thank you for joining us today and filling in for Jenny, who is uh, uh, starting year end, which for an accountant is the most god awful time of year. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's get right into it. We start every week with the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. Jason, you you jumped the gun. Cracked your can, just absentmindedly. I can flick it. You want me to flick it? Yeah, go ahead and give it a flick. Okay. <laughs> oh, there we go. That made a sound. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna one-up you there, and uh, I don't even have a can. I've got a, a bubba full of water, so I'm just gonna, uh, sip it. That is a nice glass, though. It's great. It's like thirty-two it's ounces. Yeah, it, it looks like a um, like kind of like a Yeti tumbler, but it has a handle on it. That is exactly. Fantastic. Yeah, it's like serves the same function, but yeah, I love it. I it it makes sure I drink enough water every day. I have some of and, that. Too. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and Megan, can you mm. can you save this segment? Can you save the day as you I'm often trying. do? I'm trying. Recently? Uh, I'm going to try and save it, but because Jenny's not here, I got a little lazy, and so I was planning on um, trying to get some sort of beach-themed drink, like a Corona or um, margaritas, and then it snowed, and Amazon didn't have any delivery slots available, and that would have been mean anyway, so turns out I'm just going to go with, I went the opposite direction because it's so cold and dark here in Ohio, and I went with a bottle of Ledson Merlot, but I had already opened it, so like... I'm going to try to achieve the already opened um, pop sound of okay. this this year bottle. Here we go. <laughs> it's like a it's like a jug band. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Megan, uh, for uh, keeping it real and drinking alcohol on the show. I try. If you guys could just get down with weeknight alcohol, we don't. <sighs> I better segment. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to get back to that place. We'll see. I'm um, dry. I'm sorry. Yeah. So is Justin. So yeah, that's another thing you have in common with him. Yeah, Three appearances, okay. both teetotalers. Have you ever seen us in the same place at the same time? It's it's true. I haven't. <laughs> you li- you only live one state away from each other, so you know. All right. Megan, let's talk uh, being the elite two forty one. I didn't have Jason watch this, but uh, but I believe you did. I did, yes. And you said you cannot with the Good Brothers. I'm so tired of their bullshit. I really just can't. I think they're gross, and I think the juvenile humor wears very thin. Maybe it's because I'm above thirty, but I feel like in high school I was like I would have been down with these two. I'd been like, yeah, that's good humor. Um, as an adult. Not so much. And the amount they do it and just the like obsession with their own genitals. It's like okay. 
Like, I get it. Stop talking about your willies. Again, as Florence Pugh's mother says to Zach Braff um, and Donald Faison. Uh, but yeah, I just, they're so gross. And this opening segment of BTE was like real gross. And I thought the Bucks were, I don't know, good Christian boys. And I'm not trying to judge them and, and say that they should be less gross. But um, their complicity was surprising to me how much they just went along with talking about fucking bucks and by bucks a little baby deer that was on their green screen which is gross they're all gross sorry (laughs) i'm not going to disagree with anything you said however i will never stop thinking it's funny when doc gallows swings his belt like it's a dick it's like the most shallow end of the comedy pool (laughs) And I'm diving right in, baby. I love it. Um, Okay, so other than that, the other big thing on this episode of BTE was the Dark Order slumber party. Yes. Where everybody was uh, talking about how handsome Wardlow is. Of course, yes. Talking about their crushes. Talking about their crushes. And then Hangman Page was hanging out outside, and Anna Jay spotted him and shooed him away and said, get away from us. We need to heal. You know what? She gave him the real talk of, uh, like, you're not committing to us, this relationship, but you're still hanging around, playing with our emotions. No, these boys who are in the tent talking about how hot they think Wardlow is cannot handle the emotional burden of you playing with their hearts. Quit playing games with their hearts, to quote a boy band lyric from the 90s that I'm sure they're all very familiar with. I I I, uh, I had that conversation with a uh, a former girlfriend, um, and uh, she stopped hanging out with me, which is not the result I was hoping for at the time that I laid down the ultimatum. <laughs> yeah, but see, if even if you couldn't see it in the time, wasn't it better to kind of just have a definitive answer because you were hoping she'd say, "Okay, I'm hanging around because I love you," but really, hanging I sure around- was Megan. Well, yeah, I mean, you lay that ultimatum down, you're confident, um, but her hanging around dragging your feelings along, that's that's not good for anyone. It's not healthy no, for anyone. No, in the long run, it was better, yes. Yeah, and Adam, he did try to be like, I'm I'm just here for the the whiskey, the bourbon, and she's like, yeah, get out, just take it with you, just get out, just get out. And it's like, Anna Jay, thank you for watching out for your boys. And Adam, I'm sorry, I love you, but you do need to stop playing with their hearts. Either commit yeah, I, to their group... I mean, it's true. Or, or, yeah, stop giving them hope. John Silver has a man crush on you, and you need to, like, let him down easy and just move on. And beyond that, poor John Silver, now he doesn't even have the BTE championship to give him solace because uh, he lost the field goal kicking competition to Sammy Guevara, and the most real championship in professional wrestling now has its third holder. I'm upset because I kind of wanted to see John Silver take this forever. And also, if you know you're going to be kicking field goals, can I just ask both of them, why didn't you dress appropriately for it in a way that might help you move? Sammy, sweatpants, but the tightest sweatpants I've ever seen. And what I thought were Timberland boots, but were in fact fashion sneakers. You're not going to kick a football well with that. John Silver had on gym shoes which still aren't optimal, but they're better. But he wore jeans. You got no leg, full leg motion with jeans. Boys, you're athletes. You know this. Dress appropriately. 
And also, what do you, what do you wear to kick a field goal? Should they have worn their trunks? Should have worn cleats. Yeah, cleats at least. Oh. Okay, well, I meant like, I thought the sweatpants sound like a decent idea, but well, they were fashion sweatpants. Okay. So they were like tailored and tight fitting. Oh. I, I actually thought okay. they were jeans at first because of it, but then when you got close, you saw the material. But it's like, uh, you got to have something that allows your leg range of motion. And maybe, I think the trunks would have, honestly, because, you know, so your, your whole leg's free. They should have just done this before, you know, dynamite tapings or something. Exactly, yeah. Um, and, I mean, that's evidenced by the fact that they each only got one out of three. And so since they tied, they had to go into overtime and do a, another round. And Sammy, that's where Sammy won. But it's like, man, boys, should have prepared. You knew this was going to happen. Now, Andy, this was not the Jacksonville field, right? This was like a little practice area, it looked like. Yeah, it wasn't like the stadium field, but it was probably like a Jaguars practice facility. Yeah. Was it inside? Yeah, it had like, um, if not... Permanently inside, it had sort of like a setup where they made it an inside thing, you know, like a temporary. I think most structure. most NFL teams have an indoor facility for off season stuff. Yeah. Um, Megan, was there anything else on BTE that we needed to cover? Um, let me see. I was so jealous of the Jurassic Quest setup thing that they did oh, yeah. in the parking lot where they basically had Jurassic Park and then Luchasaurus drove around with Brandon Cutler in a golf cart and got to tour of Jurassic Park but set up in like the Jacksonville Jaguars parking lot and it appeared to be a mobile um, pop-up kind of thing that you can hire I guess if you live around there but I was so jealous it looked it was, cool it was very ghetto but also very awesome looking yeah it was like why are the dinosaurs in the parking lot we don't know but they move and they look cool. Okay, so that was BTE. Uh, please check us out at the Elite Beat on Instagram. Although I'm sorry, at the Elite Beat Pod on Instagram. Although I doubt we're going to get much content there this month since Jenny runs that account and um, is otherwise she busy. occupied. She's busy. <laughs> uh, ratings. So ratings came in, and uh, AEW's Beach Break. They did a .31 in 18 to 49. Finishing number three overall for the night on cable with 844,000 total viewers. Compare that to NXT, which finished with a 0.15 in 18 to 49, number 51 for the night on cable, and 610,000 total viewers. NXT in the mud. Ooh. Stop putting Timothy Thatcher in main events, is probably what I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> who? I don't even know who that is. He's he's like he's a good wrestler, but every time they put him, like his segments always die because he doesn't have a lot of personality. I think. Okay. He is Pete Dunne if Pete Dunne didn't have natural charisma. Uh oh. He's bigger than Pete Dunne. Yeah, but like that's the kind of grainy personality. Like imagine like. If Pete Dunn stopped trying to be good. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm going to go right. it. So this is a good it. bounce back from last week. And I think it, I think it outlines that or underlines that they, you know, last week's uh, close race was probably 
almost entirely due to that uh, blackout on TNT, uh, the TNT app and streaming services for the first 15 minutes. All right, let's get into news, guys. Got a little bit uh, to cover here, and some that's going to come up more in the body of Megan's Dynamite recap where it's uh, appropriate, but TNT Africa, which is a channel, is going to start airing AEW uh, tomorrow in a Friday afternoon time slot, and then a prime time slot. So it's going to air old episodes in the afternoon and then new episodes at 8 o'clock in prime time. So look for that big uh, AEW Nigeria tour in 2022, I'm sure, once uh, once the country falls in love with uh, their brand of pro wrestling. Okay. Is it um, a continent-wide um, channel, or is it only in select countries? I don't know. I don't know. I would guess it's only in select countries, but uh, I, I haven't done any research on that. Uh, this is from The Observer. Uh, you know that uh, Jungle Boy versus Dax Harwood match from last week that everybody liked so much? Mm-hmm. So apparently, uh, that whole thing was uh, Harwood's baby. He pitched the idea. He wanted. He, he put. He presented it to Tony Khan. He, he, the goal was to make Jungle Boy come out of it as like a superstar babyface, and that was that was his goal. That's what he wanted to accomplish, and I think he did a good job. So anyway, just a nice story about how Dax Harwood is a nice guy. Oh, no, I didn't want to like the FDR boys, but <laughs> that sounds precious. Yeah, totally. Uh, Will Hobbs said in an interview that uh, after he first appeared in AEW, WWE contracted, contacted him and offered him a deal, um, which is... <laughs> so he'd had a tryout a couple years ago and got turned down. So this time he got to turn WWE down. But it's just kind of a familiar story we've heard uh, from Will Hobbs and Eddie Kingston and I think there was someone else, I forget off the top of my head, but like people who didn't make it any WWE tryout, who as soon as they appeared on AEW television got like called and said, like, are you signed? Like, <laughs> yep. Bitter, bitter, bitter. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, Penta, while out, is not hurt right now. He has been hurt, but he's better. Um, he is sorting out a visa issue and he'll be back when that's taken care of. Uh, he and Phoenix are opening up a Lucha Libre store in South Pasadena, California called Republic of Lucha. Oh, that's fun. Um, I wonder if it's just a matter of he has to go and stay in Mexico for like a week. Cause I know like when people like John Oliver have told stories about getting their citizenship, like, on a yearly basis, they had to go back to their country and renew their visa. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I would imagine that might be the case, yeah. Well, I'm glad he's not hurt. Me too. So, uh, more news. This kind of uh, ties into tonight's Dynamite, but I'm not going to give any spoilers. <laughs> John Moxley appeared at the end of Friday night's episode of NJPW Strong, making it clear he would face Kenta. Uh, Kenta, Hikuleo, and El Phantasmo jumped Leo Rush. Uh, Fred Rosser, who is... What's Fred Rosser's name in WWE, Jason? Oh, oh. Edison Neal's partner. Darren Young. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I can see uh, his face. Fake John Cena. So they, they jumped Leo Rush... Uh, uh, Fred Rosser and TJP 
and the lights suddenly went out. John Moxley appeared. Uh, he had the IWGP United States title. He laid out Hikuleo and LP. Uh, he and Kenta traded blows. Kenta went for the GTS. Moxley countered and landed the Death Rider DDT. Moxley took a microphone, says he doesn't play political games, and that Kenta's dream of becoming the United States champion had just become a nightmare. He then said into the camera he would face Kenta in Tokyo one of these days. Uh, so then, like I think like the next day, uh, New Japan announced that Moxley and Kenta would be fighting at New Japan Pro Wrestling's The New Beginning USA 2021 on Friday, February 26th, which will be in California, <laughs> not to, not Tokyo. So I don't know, um, because apparently the match has already been taped. It was taped in December. So I, I, I guess, Mo- I don't know why Moxley said Tokyo. He's And why they didn't edit it out, if that's not the case. <laughs> He's um, taken too many headshots recently, I guess. I guess so. So anyway, um, maybe that'll tie into tonight's show i don't know uh other news cm punk and i'm just i'm just mentioning this because uh it's not really directly aew related but cm punk will be playing a part in stars's scripted pro wrestling drama series heels uh on social media heels star Stephen amell posted a picture of him and punk in a wrestling ring and wrote please welcome cm punk to stars or to heel stars he was a little rusty in the ring yesterday but i assured him it was just like riding a bike Punk had noted earlier this month that he was quarantining as a mandatory safety procedure for a job. PW Insider reported that they were told that Punk will return to the ring as an adversary of Amel on heels, and that the word is Punk's character could be a recurring one. So, this is the show that Cody is also uh, like consulting on and acting on. So I'm just saying. You know, I'm going to have to watch little... this damn show, aren't I? Oh, you're gonna have to watch this damn show for sure. But like, maybe, maybe you know, maybe the, a little bit of business could get done. Are Are you saying that this could be like when 2K makes a deal? Yes, I'm actually. It's. A, I would think it would be exactly like that if this comes to fruition. But uh, I mean, what else is CM Punk doing? Not being on WWE backstage. I yeah, I guess so. <laughs> All right, I have one. I have one more uh, news item, but uh, it's going to. It's going to come up naturally in the course of the show. So, Megan, do you just want to take it away with your world-famous Dynamite recap? Sure. Restaurant quality, as JR might say. Yeah. Sauce <laughs> it. <laughs> All right. Um, so, this show opens. Uh, this show being Beach Break. So, you know, we've got all the, the cool beach-themed stuff, even though in Florida it's clearly kind of cold because we've got people in jackets but it's the beach guys and we're opening this party with a tag team battle royal to determine who is going to be facing the young bucks for the tag team titles at revolution and remember the young bucks have placed themselves in this match and said that if they win well they implied that if they win they'd be picking the good brothers to fight them so in this Tag Team Battle Royal. We've got 10 teams. We've got Jurassic Express, which is Lucha... Uh, not Lucha. Sorry. Um, no, yeah, Luchasaurus and uh, Jungle Boy. Marco Stunt is not here. Please note that. Uh, Sammy Hager. And there is a small window where we see Sammy Hager, the rock man, giving a pump-up speech. 
I don't know. Don't look at me like that. The Rock. The Red man. Rocker, Sammy Hager. Yeah. <laughs> you could you could have just simply said the singer slash musician. <laughs> that guy, Sammy Hager. Sammy Hagar is cheering on the team, Sammy Hager. Um, but yeah, the acclaimed are here, the Young Bucks, Dark Order, who are replacing FDR, who we'll hear from in a bit. Um, There's two Dark Order teams. That's true. The first one, or the one that they like pointed out first was uh, Reynolds and Silver. And then we've also got Uno and Stu Grayson. Um, Private Party, Top Flight, Santana and Ortiz, and Jericho and MJF. And if you're keeping track at home, that means there's three tag teams that are involved in the inner circle. It's the entire inner circle. Six people. Uh, and maybe that's why one of those three inner circle teams gets the win. But MJF and Jericho ultimately take it home. Jericho gets to do the Judas effect on poor Darius Martin of Top Flight. And uh, that is how this ends. But there's a lot of stuff that happens during the match itself. So feel free to jump in, guys, with, I don't know, your favorite moments or notable things. I was I was upset that Luchasaurus didn't get a new mask. I know. I think Lord. he's going to. I, I thought about that too, but I feel like maybe maybe they'll he'll do, he'll do it when they have the big Jurassic Express versus FTR match. I so just there's more there's more focus on him. I just don't like that you can see the foam underneath the hole. <laughs> it's kind of sad. He needs, he needs like a cool like evolved dinosaur mask. I just wish they would have put like band-aids over the holes or something so I couldn't see how fake the mask looks. Oh, that so here's, would be here's, weirder. So here's, I thought this Battle Royal was really good, and I typically I really like AEW Battle Royals because I think they're they're usually pretty action-packed and stuff. But so my question is, do you guys remember like three weeks ago when the inner circle had a match to determine who the true tag team of the inner circle was and who would be going for the tag team titles going forward? Mm-hmm. But now they all get a chance anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that, there's little things like that that are just kind of like, well, why'd you even do that then? I thought it would have been cool if a team other than Jericho and MJF won. And then they could have said, well, we're the official team of the, of the Inner Circle, but we won the match. And then they could have had, like, kind of a power struggle. Oh, so if, like, Sammy Hager won, yeah. but Jericho and MJF would, like, try to claim the victory as theirs because they're the official team? Yeah, yeah. I see. I see what you're saying, yeah. Well, there were some. there was some turmoil between them in the match. Like, at one point when it got down to, I think, like, six people, um, Sammy and Jericho and MJF were all the inner circle people, but then there was also Max Caster, Jungle Boy, and uh, Darius Martin. And Max Caster grabbed mjf and held him up and sammy went to super kick him and mjf ducked but it was sammy was very blatantly just like ready to kick mjf in the face you know which i'm sure isn't a surprise to anyone um but he didn't seem to be pretending to even sort of try to do it an inner circle unity thing at all so right and that would that would play into you know stuff later on in the show too yeah um I thought that Matt Jackson was eliminated so early and so nonchalantly that I thought it was a mistake for a while. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird. I, I looked away and missed it, to be honest. I thought, oh, maybe he's going to be in an uh, angle and I'm going to they'll talk about it. And I didn't see it in a replay. And I was like, OK, well, Matt's gone. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. 
but yeah, I so um, I was pretty pretty I was pretty happy with this overall, and I think I think the Young Bucks versus Jericho and MJF is. I mean, I think that's going to be. I think it's going to be really good because it's a Young Bucks tag team match, and they don't have bad ones. It's new and different, and yeah, yeah. It's a good, like, I don't know if we've really gotten to see MJF mix it up with the Young Bucks much at all, if ever. Not in AEW, I don't think. Yeah. No, yeah. he's always had so. other concerns. And Jericho's yeah. been involved with other members of the Elite, so he's not directly with the Bucks, per se. Well, no, because, like, the, the main event of the first Dynamite was, uh, remember, it was uh, Jericho and... Oh, yeah. Uh, against Jericho and... Who was it? Was it Jericho and Santana and Ortiz against uh Yes. Kenny and the Bucks? Yeah. Yes. But so like but it's been forever, you know? Yeah. Anyway. But I meant yeah, like so even I, during like the the build up to Stadium Stampede, that was against the whole group, not just Jericho. So Right, yeah. Yeah. Good now, match though. How did you feel about so at some point near the end, the Good Brothers came out and they just very unconcerned with anybody seeing them pulled Isaiah Cassidy out and in doing this to try they eliminated him I guess um and this distracted Nick Jackson and led to him getting eliminated so do you think there's going to be any I don't know repercussions from that like Nick was annoyed I thought they would catch him and do like the WWE Royal Rumble spot where his feet didn't hit the floor, so we'll put him back on the apron kind of bit. And they didn't, and then didn't look like they cared. So I took that as like a subtle nod that they knew that if the Young Bucks won, they would pick them, and they didn't want to face the Young Bucks because they fear the Young Bucks. Yeah, I feel like that match is probably like going to happen at... Maybe double or nothing. Maybe that's when you do that match. Okay, I just I... is that May. Yeah. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, because they got other stuff to to fill in. Like you know, they've got impact stuff and and private party and stuff to, to yeah, worry about in the meantime. They gotta build this like elite drama more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, the only other thing I would say about that match is that Darius Martin um, did maybe the most obvious block to uh, the private party silly string. And I'm surprised nobody's done it before. But essentially, when Mark Quinn did the part where he is on Isaiah Cassidy's back and is like kind of extending himself over the top rope, he just Darius just like slapped his hands off of the rope and then he fell out. <laughs> like, why has nobody else done that? <laughs> I, just I hope people that. I hope I hope Carl Anderson was scouting that and uh, watched that tape. Yeah, maybe like, we'll, maybe they'll do that in their title match. Yeah, good good for you, Darius. Um, you know you're a new up and comer, and you were smart enough to just end that move midway through. So mm-hmm. I know I shouldn't laugh and encourage him, but Jim Ross's indignation of Excalibur yelling, "They blocked the silly string!" and he was just like, "Oh no, not the silly string!" Like it's <laughs> he a was sacred just move. <laughs> he was he was so old man jr in that moment and i laughed just because it was funny but like i wish he wouldn't do that <laughs> he has such a weird mental block with that move like he every time it happens it's like he's never seen it before 
And he also treats it like it's the dumbest thing in wrestling. I was like, you called the rocks people's elbow like a million times. The worm. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> c- calm down. <laughs> well, just don't try to talk to him about marriage, okay? You won't have a problem. <sighs> JR, we'll get to it. Um, oh, I, say, I think I, I maybe missed something. <laughs> oh, he's, he just said it a million times leading up to Kip and Penelope's wedding. Don't talk to me about weddings. Uh, but right now, let's talk about Jade Cargill. She gets a video package, and it's not a ton. It's basically like her working out. And all I took from it is that she's a hell of an athlete. She was, like, doing um, exercises with 80-pound dumbbells, which is ludicrous to me. I I can't even pick up an 80-pound dumbbell with both hands. And she's just, like, you know, doing free weights and stuff. So uh, she's killing it. She looks very, very intimidating and... She didn't talk, so I think she was just trying to speak with her actions on this one. Yeah, I mean, this was probably the most effective Jade Cargill thing they've done so far. And it was now, like it was like 45 seconds, and she didn't talk. Now I feel bad because I yeah. fast-forwarded it because she was in it. I mean, it was fine. It was just, you didn't really miss that much. It was just, it was just her working out. It, yeah, it kind of reminded me of the... Um, whatever the brand was of those commercials WWE did where they got their most actually legitimately athletic people like Dolph and oh, John Cena that, um, and Charlotte. Oh, um, the, the tap out gear. Yeah. Where it was just showed all of them like doing workouts. That's kind of what it reminded me of only, you know, they're just selling her instead of the shirts. So, uh, it's that if you fast forwarded through it, that's what it was. Yeah. So, uh, next up, we have an in-ring interview. Tony is here to speak to Darby Allen and Sting. Um, I, need to, I need to ask Jason something about this before uh, we begin. Okay, go for it. Jason, you're a big Sting guy. have been yep. for 20 years. Yes. Uh, 22 years. Yes. Um, at what point <laughs> did it start <laughs> to bother you that they just keep doing this segment every week? I thought the exact same thing. I think this week, because at least last week it was a video and they broke stuff. And this week I was like, how many weeks are you going to promote a Sting Speak segment where Sting doesn't say anything of substance? I mean, at least he like directly talked about Ricky Starks this week, but I just, I just did not expect him to be here every week when this, when this started. (laughs) Like, like I love Sting. Don't get me wrong, but I, I don't think we needed 10 straight weeks of this. It's like they're overcorrecting like the WWE method where they get somebody big, but they can only afford to pay them for two or three appearances. <laughs> and so they have to really space them out. This is like Tony Khan saying, we got Sting. He's going to be here all the time. <laughs> we just don't really know what to do with him when he's here. And I, I kind of feel like he's acting like Darby's manager because Darby, the TNT champion who wrestles on a much more frequent basis, said nothing. And he got yeah. his own entrance for this segment and did nothing. He didn't even, like, pose with the belt. He just stood there. He's a broody little Jason, emo check, boy. Check your levels. I'm sorry. Um, okay. <laughs> Megan, go ahead and... Uh... Recap this here promo. All right. So you've all built it up so well in a way that makes me feel like it's going to be very disappointing. But um, 
we did learn from this promo that Darby is apparently going to defend his title against Joey Janela next week. I don't know why Janela's next up. Or something? I thought that um, too, Megan. I mean, Janela, I don't know if he's been on Dark a lot recently, but at least he was kind of a, a Dynamite mainstay. Like, he's had he's had his time on Dynamite. It's just kind of like he hasn't been around a lot recently, well, and, so and, this seems random. And later on, I'm, and we'll get to it, he mentions in a promo that he's back. And so it really does feel like they were just like, hey, title match. <laughs> yeah, which it's a TNT championship, so I'm not, I'm not, you know, stringent on who gets to try and go for it. It just Janela, you know, he hasn't been around for a while, and he is still happily with Sunny Kiss. It looks like as a partner, because Sunny will be there to support him. Well, um, remember, remember how when Cody had the title and was defending it every week, and like there'd be a setup for the next guy, like they come out and like would be like, you know scouting and then tony khan would make the match and you they'd have a little graphic going tony khan has booked this for next week this was so much in passing because it's in the background for the sting and darby and team taz thing that just felt like shouldn't the title match be a little more important than background noise i mean essentially i'm assuming it's an excuse to get darby out there next week because as we find out like immediately after team taz interrupts on the big screen, they have a video up. Apparently, they're locked outside the building because of the shenanigans they did last week with the merch staff and beating them up. But they're, they're giving them like people yeah, are getting they're... punished left and right for their actions last week. Yeah, which I mean, good. It's I... like there's continuity or something, Andy. It's it's good that there's consequences. It's just funny that, as Jason said, somehow Taz got a hold of a microphone and it's it's live, even though they're outside. But Team Taz is standing out there. They're mad. And they said <laughs> even though they're locked out this week, they will be in full effect next week while, you know, Darby's having his title match, which seems we, threatening. We should also point out that half of the building is outside. They could, like, walk to the ring without going through a door. Well, there's a security staff. FTR drove their truck to the back of the announce table and walked right in. Don't tell me. <laughs> Security. True. True. Maybe they're just respecting the rules. But uh, either way, Ricky Starks, young Ricky Starks, gets on the mic and talks about how unimpressed he is with Sting. And, you know, it's like he's not really an icon anymore to Ricky Starks. So that's kind of funny because, hey, youngin, I know that. You know, shoot, you probably really love Sting, but kayfabe, all right, you're acting like you're you're just unimpressed. And then he also kind of warns Sting that working with Darby Allen is a dangerous thing and to be careful. So that's the end of their video message. They go away, and then Sting gets on the mic in the ring, and he says, you know what, I'll be around for Darby's match to make sure that it remains a one-on-one affair. And I guess he's going to take on all of Team Taz if need be. But he also takes a moment to look deep into the camera and say, Ricky Starks, if you don't see the icon anymore, maybe you're not looking close enough. And then um, he doesn't flat out ask for a match, but I'm assuming that's where we're going with this one. Sting wrestling. If Jenny were here, she'd be screaming. I mean, they already, I mean, he's already booked for the pay-per-view. I think she's saying that like, 
this might be a one-on-one match later. It seemed I mean, like maybe. he was he was focused. They, they very shouldn't much. do it before. No, but yeah. <sighs> Sting wrestling has me very concerned for his health. So here's yes. So here's here's not his not Janella. his ability. He's totally capable, but I just worry he's going to hurt himself. That's so here's fair. Joey Janela of late. Uh, he he and Sonny Kiss won a match on Dark on December third. Okay. He lost to Kenny Omega on Dynamite on December sixteenth. He didn't do anything until January twenty first on Dark, where he and Sonny and uh, Bear Country, who I'm sure you, both of you learned about on this week's show, yep, <laughs> uh, lost to, or beat Aaron Solo and Baron Black and Mike Averna and Sean Dean, uh, and that's it. That's that's what he's been doing lately. <laughs> that's that's all of his matches. So okay. I don't really know why he rates uh, a title shot right now. I guess the TNT title does not go by rankings. You can just get anybody up in there. Maybe someone from TNT has to pick the person. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it's like somebody who like goes out after the tapings and drinks White Claws with Joey. Well, I'm thinking maybe they're like, I saw that guy in a Cracker Barrel match. Let's pick him. Mm. <laughs> I, You know, I feel like Joey's going to just be there to lose, but... There's they gonna be have... there's gonna be thumbtacks or something. Uh, the thing is, well, we'll get to it about styles later. Um, but for now, let's let's jump to the next match because I really liked it. It is Doctor Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa, and these two have been feuding for a while now. And this is the first time Britt has been forced to actually wrestle Thunder Rosa. Uh. Uh, I just want to say like one more thing on this TNT title thing. I just real I just remembered that that man Warhorse got a TNT title match during Cody Rhodes's reign. So oh my God. Uh, I guess it's fine that Joey Janela is getting this title shot. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, <laughs> okay. Did you hear Cody talking about like or like no? Did you hear Tony Khan? Did you hear Tony Khan on Jericho's podcast, Megan? Uh, I haven't listened yet. I've got he, it queued up. He talks about like the Cody Rhodes period of the TNT title and all like the people they brought in, and he was just like, "Well, you know, like some of those people, I wasn't d- didn't really work out, and then like some of them, like Eddie Kingston, we hired." <laughs> so, and all I could think was, "Oh, I remember Warhorse." I thought Warhorse came in with big hype. <laughs> <laughs> he got a lot of graphic stuff on. Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, and it seemed like they were they were pretty excited about Warhorse. Maybe Wardlow was like, "There's only one war around here." <laughs> they were excited about Warhorse, and then the bell rang. Oh, but I like this name. Sure, yeah, that's a good Steven Spielberg movie. I remember I want I want <laughs> I I wanted him to be Nightwolf, and right, he wasn't. Yeah, that's right. And he wasn't. He did, have the, he did have that look. Anyway, Megan, I'm sorry, Thunder Rosa. No, it's okay. It's important that you brought up Warhorse. Um, yeah. Woof. Thinking back. Uh, but yeah, okay. So Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. Um, I really like this match. And I continue to be impressed with the trajectory of Britt Baker. She won this match. She did the lockjaw. But to protect Thunder Rosa, uh, she was able to do the lockjaw because um, Re- Rebel had exposed a... Like one of those metal ring connector things. Turnbuckle. 
turnbuckle. And so Thunderosa ran into it, was knocked, if not unconscious, you know. Loopy. She was loopy enough. And so she never tapped out to the lockjaw, but she did lose to it. But they gave these two time. And I thought, I don't know if it's like Brit improved that much or Thunderosa was able to get a really good match out of her, but I was very impressed by both of them and the show they put on. I would agree 100%. Um, they both worked really hard. I loved the series of like her trying to get the lockjaw on and Thunderosa just like powering out and putting out, trying to like move around to something else. I thought that that's what the men do. In yeah. a lot of matches. And I thought, yes, let these women wrestle like the men. And I feel like in some of these cases with some of these inexperienced women who maybe got trained by people who taught them to wrestle like girls or like how WWE women used to wrestle, um, you can si- kind of see the the difference in experience between like a Thunder Rosa and I, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head, but like a, somebody with lesser experience levels. And here, I think this might have been Britt's best television match um she's had um and i i too was very impressed with the amount of time they were given and what they were able to do not only the amount of time they were given which was 13 minutes and 45 seconds but also that this was not in the traditional like seventh quarter that the aew women's match always gets put in this was like this was like the third quarter of the show Proverbial, right. they, they were not in the death slot. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I think that was a big vote of confidence in the both of them. And, you know, and it, it should have been because this is a match that's been built up for months now. It was the um, first match announced for this show, I believe, back on that waiting room segment. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. Um, yeah, I think this was one of the best women's matches in the history of the promotion, honestly. And, and to be fair... Thunder Rosa, in such a very short time, has be, has been a very memorable character. And Britt's been there since the beginning, and like you know, shot through a a, um, a cannon with charisma after her heel turn. So I mean, like two very you know big names in their very limited women's division. So I think you know, kudos to them for pulling it off. Yeah, and I to and to the question you were asking, Megan, I think. I think Britt is a lot better since her comeback from her injury. I think she's, it's like she's, she's wrestling differently now than she was before. You think she was taking notes, uh, from some of the other women and maybe her, uh, are they fiancés yet? Or are we still just living together? I think they're just, I think they're still just living in sin. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, I didn't know whether to say boyfriend or what, what his, uh, what title should be. Um, her baby, her, yeah, her baby. Um, <laughs> Do you think like she just you know was a quick study and thought I have this time off and I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out and work with these women and and you know she had Serena Deeb there to pick her brain she had Thunder Rosa she had um, some of the Japanese women probably and then, and mean, then she she lives with Adam Cole <laughs> yeah I mean we know that she is very capable of applying herself academically so why wouldn't that extend to learning wrestling well good on her for it yeah yeah mate that's a really good point actually because. You know, bringing Thunderous in and Serena Deeb, like they've, they don't have a deep women's roster at this point, but they have recently brought in some very good women. So maybe there's more of a training pool going on, and like, and 
the chance to get more experience with more experienced people because that was Brit's thing, right? She only had like fifty something matches total, yeah, like in her career prior to this, yeah, and on a very limited indie roster because WWE swooped up so many people, yeah. Um, yeah. And to to Megan's point, I would also say that you know Anna Jay and Ty Conti have gotten way better. Um, that uh, memorial show uh, for Brody Lee that Ty and Anna were on. Probably their best performance ever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, maybe it has, maybe it is the Serena Deeb and um, Thunder Rosa effect, bringing these experienced women in. Um, because you don't have the Japanese women to rely on right now. No, uh, they also do have, I do, I did just remember that they all do work out with Dustin Rhodes at every taping, too. That's, he, he, like, kind of, he has, he runs a women's class. He's like the Lance Storm of 2020, 2021. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I'm glad it's working. I know we gave Britt a lot of shit at the beginning of this podcast, and she was really rough and green, you know, when, when this all started, but I think she's come miles from there, and this was awesome. Um, Thunder Rosa looks like she works um, hard. I don't want to say stiff, because I don't think she's trying to hurt anybody, but her corner dropkick, I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of it. <laughs> It he looks like that, it hurts. Yeah, it's kind of like that strong style, you know, mixed with Japanese wrestling and, and obviously Lucha Libre in there. Yeah, and I, I remember hearing her on um, the Unrestricted podcast, and she, you know, she does MMA, and um, she talked about how, like, kind of the initiation to MMA was, training was, like, essentially getting beaten up just to kind of prove that she could take that, like, level of, you know, pain which sounds horrible and hazing but uh she came out of it and was you know apparently now successful I, now <laughs> I know people up for real no. uh, well if nothing else it speaks to her toughness um brit had some elbows on the outside that looked really good too almost to the point where i'm like oh no is she like giving her receipts but they didn't seem to be fighting in the way that um what's her face Ivelisse, remember she had an issue with Thunderosa. Like these two seem to be working well together and and weren't trying to fight each other for real. But there were moments where some of their moves to me looked just tough on each other. And I, I feel like Thunderosa is fine with it. Um, I didn't know if Britt was in that same camp, but good for her if she is. Like it, it looked amazing. Britt had her nose broken and kept going. So I, I think Britt is fine with it. <laughs> There was a point where uh, I thought Britt's eye might legitimately be hurt because um, she was holding it and the ref kind of came over and like pushed Thunderous away. But then she recovered fine and seemed like she just had to shake it off and and keep going. So like kudos maybe to she, her. Maybe she got something actually in her eye and she had to blink it out. Maybe. I don't know. Did you guys did you guys notice that at the finish uh, the um, the cameraman was unfortunately a little too close to the action and uh really exposed that Thunder Rosa didn't come anywhere near that exposed turnbuckle. <laughs> yep. I did not notice, but I'm not surprised because when um, when Rebel was taking it off, I was like, well, this is a very close angle that we've never seen before. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, but, you know, was... I'm glad to experiment with things like that. I mean, you learn what does and doesn't work that way, but... Um... Yeah, it was just right. It just was just like, it was right there and Rosa was like, I don't know. She kind of slapped it with her hand. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm not going to criticize that because as long as I'm not getting jump cuts, you know, 
Oh God, right. Just, just, just think of what that would have been with Kevin Dunn, and then you know you'd be much happier with what you got. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to get into it, but that, that is, I feel like it was the Men's Royal Rumble where yes. it was just like every single punch they were cutting the camera. And you mentioned it while we were watching it. You're like, oh my God, can you just hold still for? <laughs> well, you know what's funny? I didn't notice it in the women's, like you just said. It was mostly in the men's, but I really noticed it. Because they were cutting from the ring to that Randy walking away segment. And then it felt like they couldn't help themselves. And like everything afterwards were like, bam, 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 bam. And you're like, stop it. Just hold the camera still. You're missing everything. We have 30 <laughs> cameras and we have to take advantage of each and every one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we got to move on. All right. Well, I just wanted, it was a great match. It was yes. a great match. Thumbs up all around. Uh, so from there, we go backstage where Tony is speaking to Adam Page and Matt Hardy. They are posted up in Matt's giant dressing room. If you remember from last week, he offered Adam to come dress in there instead of, I don't know, the broom closet across from catering that he was using prior. <laughs> um, I think so, he's in a hallway last week. He was yeah. in the hallway across from catering. By choice. By <laughs> choice. Yeah. Com- completely <laughs> exposed. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so Tony is there and he he once again is kind of curious and asks Matt Hardy, what are your intentions here with young Adam? And Matt says he doesn't have any intentions. I assume he means bad intentions, but he just says any intentions. Uh, he points out that at their hearts, they're just good old Carolina boys. and Which they're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't Matt? Matt is, but Adam Page is from Virginia. But he well, was, but... but... Adam Page did wrestle in Omega. Yeah, they said that 10 years ago, a young Adam Page wrestled in Matt's Omega promotion. Oh, I think that's yeah. what he was getting at. But okay. I did uh, laugh at that. I mean, he's uh, Carolina adjacent. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got the Carolina spirit, maybe. Am I the only one that, like, so when he asks Matt Hardy, what are your intentions? I'm like, did you not watch last week? He only offered him the dress. So either he's just going to like let him use the room or he's going to watch him change like a creep. It's either one <laughs> or the other. <laughs> like, so yeah. why are you asking this? This is weird. <laughs> yeah, it was like, like I understand the offer, but if it does sound like a strange trans- transaction between like an older wrestler and a younger one. Well, I, I don't mean it like that. I just mean like he offered him to use his dressing room. Yeah, then. No, the other guy gets asked about it, like, so what was your intention? Like, that part makes it sound creepy. It's like, there shouldn't be an intention other than what he said. No, Tony, there shouldn't. <laughs> but, okay, so Matt says all that, though, and, like, points out how they've got history. And then Adam looks up, and he's just like, hey, hey, I'm not trying to get into a partnership here. I just was invited here to use this dressing room, and that's all it is. And Matt's like, well, I'm not trying anything. Don't worry. I just want to put my pants on. Yeah, I just want to put my pants on. Adam's wearing pants, to be clear. Uh, And this interview, uh, I didn't say at the top, but this is supposedly happening last week. And so Matt, last week, proposes a one-night-only partnership um, with Adam because even though Adam doesn't want to get into, like, a group thing or, like, do tag team wrestling anymore – Matt points out that the Chaos Project basically ruined Negative One's birthday party last week. And so they should join together just to, like, get a little revenge. And Adam, 
you know, being a, a good Carolina boy, it's like, you're right. You shouldn't ruin young children's birthday parties. So fine. Um, and Matt also points out that this is a good way of showing sort of, I guess, apology or, or good grace towards the Dark Order, who, you know, since he rejected them and got kicked out of their slumber party, their their relationship is rocky at this point. So I didn't, I didn't like this reasoning. Did you like the reasoning? I liked the reasoning a lot because, and I'll tell you why, it's because this is a great reason for big money matt to lie about why he wants to do this okay i'll, I'll accept that because <laughs> because, I, because my, he, what, what does he care about a kid's birthday party exactly. but, adam, but adam cares so he's right. using it as like a leverage as a pressure point to get adam to do what he wants because i couldn't this is why i couldn't be a very good interviewer in wrestling because i would interject my thoughts and why the story doesn't make sense because <laughs> my first thought was then why don't you go and ask the dark order if you can team up with one of them to help out like exactly. it, it was their party that got screwed up like i it felt I, so awkward i was like matt hardy is not in the negative one storyline stop injecting yourself i have to say though like of all the matt hardy that's been around on this aew program and maybe it's just because we don't we haven't had crowds with him, but I think Big Money Matt is working out a lot better as a character for me than um, like Damascus because I I get Big Money Matt like he's funny and I don't love the amount of BTE segments he gets, but I think that these like dynamite segments are funny and I think his character, I think he plays it well and I think it is funny and it's like at least sort of clever, <laughs> you know, like he's got motivations and he's not some ancient spirit that has a drone or whatever <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot more grounded it kind of bothers me because i never got to see big money matt in, in tna and have it happening right now in 2020 2021 it's it seems like the exact same character the mvp is playing on raw and so i kind of like him like well i'm already seeing this and you have like 15 characters. Pick a different one. <laughs> Thankfully, Megan and I are not raw watchers, so we. That's what MVP is. We don't have that problem. I, he's, I was he's... surprised to hear MVP is on raw. I thought he was out of the WWE game. I perhaps wrestling, but so MVP's back on raw. MVP's been the like. He was All like. Right, we can't. We can't. We can't do okay. this. We can't. Do, we got to move on. Okay, we got we'll to. We'll talk later, Megan. We're at a clip here. Okay. But anyway, so like Matt Hardy um, does this proposal and that leads us into the match where he and Adam Page are teaming up against the Chaos Project and Adam Page and Matt win, but Matt Hardy, Adam Page does the buckshot lariat on Serpentico and is about to pin him. Matt Hardy does a, a quick tag in, Adam is surprised, and then Matt gets that pin and Adam... Um, I guess isn't really that invested in this partnership. So he doesn't care. He looks a little annoyed, but at the end of the match, he does hold up Matt Hardy's hand in a victory and is like, all right. Like he kind of shrugs and is like, fine, whatever. <laughs> but, but that's how they get the win. Um, so I guess big money, Matt gets to count that as uh, technically uh, an, a W in his column specifically. And not to dwell on this more, but that's still part of MVP's angle, like on raw. Like Just stealing wins. No, no. He's the leader of a group, and Cedric Alexander is constantly doing that to all the team members. Is stealing the pins. Ah, okay. 
match wasn't much. Well, no, it was a Adam Page Matt Hardy versus the Chaos Project. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, I did like Adam's Chiron as he came out, said lost four hundred dollars playing with stocks, in case you weren't <laughs> up to date with the latest news around should've the world. Should have said stonks, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh so after this this uneventful match, we get an update on the AEW Women's World Championship Elim- Eliminator Tournament. Specifically, we get to find out who's in it. On the Japanese side, we have Aja Kong, Yuka Sakazaki, Veni, Emi Sakura, Ryo Mizunami, Mei Suruga, Rin Kadokura, and Maka- Maki Ito. Uh, yes. So like a, a mix of people we've seen and people that uh, I don't know, I'm not familiar with. Which one's the magical girl? Is that Yuka Sakasaki? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can't wait for JR to remember that. I was very impressed, and I'm sure there was a lot of stopping and starting, but I was very impressed with Tony's pronunciation of all these names. Yeah, he did really well. <laughs> he is a I pro. I don't know how my pronunciations just compared, but Tony did good. <laughs> um, I'm excited to see see some new people who may end up getting signed, maybe not. Um, I don't actually know the status of any of the the people who haven't been on AEW before, but it's cool that we're getting a decent amount of new people to see on the Japanese side. Um, On the American side, we have Serena Deeb, Riho, Dr. Britt Baker, Ty Conti, Thunder Rosa, Nyla Rose, Anna Jay, and Layla Hirsch. What a great tournament. Like, yeah. Like this, what a great bracket! I'm, I'm, I, well, we haven't seen a bracket yet, but uh, I'm, I'm very excited for this whole thing. I hope that, I, I'm not sure what they're gonna do as far as broadcasting the Japanese portion of it, because I know that they're taping that in probably not in AEW rings and probably not in front of any people, so it might be. Do you think they're going to tape, like, literally the whole bracket and then just yeah, all at once, you know? Probably. Okay. Or over the, I mean, yeah, you could do it over the course of a few days. I mean, you know, I'm sure this will all be, like, pre-taped for weeks before it airs. Like, kind of like they did the um, the women's tag team tournament. Yeah. Yeah. But, okay. yeah, we still don't really, we don't have any clarification on where this stuff is going to air. I would assume that, like because all of the women on the American side are known entities that they, that all those matches could probably rate dynamite. I would hope like you could yeah. stretch this tournament out as long as you need to. Right. Cause it's not going to happen. Like the, the person isn't going to face, um, Sheena. like, yeah, but they're not going to face them at, or her at revolution. Right. Like I, was, I think it, they are. I think, I think the, I think that is when the title match is, but I could be wrong. That seems soon, but okay. I was going to say they, month, we're still a month out from that. They could stretch it out, but yeah, I, I just hope if not all, some of it gets shown on Dynamite because I'm not going to watch Dark guys. <laughs> like I'm just not. We still um, got we still got four Dynamites to go before Revolution. Okay. Did Dave Meltzer say anything about why Riho's in the American bracket, Andy? No, not not last night at okay. least. So we've got four weeks. You could show. Could show one or two each episode and get down to the end, right? I mean, okay. if you were gonna, you could if you were gonna do at Revolution, you were gonna do the finals where the American bracket winner met the 
Japanese bracket winner. Yeah, I guess that's what I was thinking. Like, Shida's not going to... Or is she at Revolution? She's not booked right now. Okay, because, like... I just I just assumed that, the, the, that this was how they were getting her a challenger for Revolution, but it's going slowly. So maybe they will do... Maybe they'll do a special, like, YouTube program like they did for that women's tournament. I think that if they did... I know me and Jenny were down on the fact that it was on YouTube and I would still be down on that just because look at this talent you've got. But at the same time, I think this would probably go a lot better than the showing of the last tournament. So maybe, I don't know. How many bracket or how many matches are on each side of the bracket? Four. Four. You could do the the four American ones on television and do the four Japanese ones on YouTube. And that way you don't have the disparity of the rings being different and any kind of um, um, signage and stuff like that not being suitable for TNT. Right. Yeah, you could get it done. Like, like if they did two matches on Dynamite next week and two matches the following week, you're already into the the round of eight at that point. And then you... Yeah, I mean, there are ways to do it. We'll just have to see what they decide. I imagine TNT might have some problems with their with them not getting their logos and stuff on whatever so like I'm, I'm i'm skeptical we're seeing full japanese matches on tnt yeah but I, they should definitely at least show highlights because yeah that's an awfully big audience to just leave twisting in the wind without knowing what's going on yeah they need to do more than what they did with the tag team matches um yeah. and yep, like totally. show us like maybe some clips of entrances and then the finishes of each match maybe yeah i would agree that that's i think that's what i was trying to get at is like if they do this one on youtube and they give it the same production value and stuff. I think the contestants in this one are all more experienced than the ones in the last tag team tournament. So bring back Veda Scott for commentary. Yeah, she was awesome. Sure, yeah. do it. Uh, so if they do it on YouTube and provide highlights, I would hope people get more interested in it than maybe the last time. So we'll see. Yeah. I'm excited though. Great yeah, bracket. Me too. All right, so. Backstage, Alex Marvez is hanging out, waiting for MJF and Chris Jericho, as if they're going to speak to him. They never do. (laughs) They actually show up backstage. They blow by him, proclaiming they're the future tag team champions. And uh, Jericho has a styrofoam cooler in his hands. He probably borrowed it from FTR. They walk down the hall to their... I kept thinking they were going to douse Marvez. I did, too. (laughs) But then again, maybe they didn't want to waste. Like, yeah. um, he got out of there lucky. They just they just walked past him. Uh, yeah. So they go to the inner circle dressing room, and they're like, "Yeah, inner circle rules. We did it, guys!" And all the rest of the team are looking sad and not exactly super excited. And then Sammy says, "I can't believe you're saying we're all in this together. Why is it that the rest of us are always the collateral damage, and you you always win?" And so Sammy walks out, and Chris Jericho follows him, and it is at this point where MJF steps up and says, hey guys, to the rest of the inner circle, it's time we have a conversation. And then he signals to Wardlow and says, like, take care of that guy. And Wardlow hustles the cameraman out and closes the door. So we don't get to hear that conversation, but MJF's making moves. Behind Jericho's back. Yeah. With Sammy gone, too. Sammy, the only one who might stand up to him. So... I guess I really we'll see like, where that goes. I really goes. like this. I like. I, I just like everything about the week to week movement of the storyline. Sammy babyface turn. Yep. 
the dynamic of everyone in this group is so good. I they've done so well to build it up. It's and all the work that MGF's been doing in the background to try and like align with the individual people. It's this is a very well constructed breakup, not just like a random all of a sudden somebody turns on someone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Yeah. All right, guys, we're on to kind of a big event here. So, Jesus. yeah, we'll get there. So backstage. Tony is talking to Kip Miro and Charles the Butler because, you know, this is the 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 groom interview before the big event. Um, Tony congratulates Kip. Kip's like, hey, you're really lucky to get this interview. Apparently a lot of people wanted it, I guess. Um, Miro says, check it out. We're all in the husband club, except Chuck, of course, because he sucks. Uh, <laughs> and Miro's wearing, like, this cream, um, nice pants, and... It's like a three-piece suit minus the shirt piece and the jacket. So he's just out there. It's a vest and pants. Yep. Yep. Um, And so while this is all happening, Vicky walks over and says, Kip, it's time. And so we go to the ring where a very, uh, I would say relative to other wrestling weddings, this is a nice stage decoration. I I don't know. Um, But it's all set up. And... There's a special officiant who I called Satan, but Andy corrected me and told me who it was. I'm sorry. Like, if you didn't know who this man was, he is wearing a red sparkly jacket. His eyebrows are doing something, and he's got a long, twisty beard. He looks like Satan. (laughs) Andy, what was his actual name? Uh, The Sinister Minister, James Mitchell. Okay, so he's here. Uh, Jerry Lynn walks Penelope out to the ring. Kip and Penelope have written their own vows. Kip uh, said he knew from the moment he stared at her chest when he first met her that she was the one. Very charming. Um, Penelope says, Kip, you have the biggest. And he goes, whoa, and pulls the mic away. And she looks at the camera and goes, heart. Uh, But Kip's, you know, I guess he wants us to believe that he's got uh, a big old uh, sing dong. You know what? Carl and Gallows could tell you about it. (laughs) (laughs) Miro demands the rings from Charles. He presents them. And then Miro, uh, when the officiant starts to do that line where it's like, is there anybody out there that protests to this wedding happening? Miro stops him and says, hey, I've been to enough of these. We don't need to put that out there. And so (laughs) nobody's given the option to speak up. Um, And then Miro is ready to give his his best man speech. He orders Chuck to distribute champagne. He drinks Chuck's glass of champagne because chuck is on the clock you have to be professional and then he says hey kip i may not have given you a bachelor party which like hello we all know and we're mad about it and he says i may not have bought you a present which kip kind of like what (laughs) and then he says my present to you is my knowledge and um and then mira looks to the corner And he sees a giant silver wrapped present the size of maybe a human being. I don't know. That's how I would say. And Miro goes, who, who is, gave you this? It's, what is it? It's been driving me insane ever since I saw it. And Chuck's like, oh yeah, that one's from me, obviously. And Miro's like, okay, okay. I know how this fucking works. And he runs over and tackles that present and starts beating it. And it's just like an empty box with tissue paper in it, essentially. He, he, flings it out of the ring and then he just kind of looks surprised that there wasn't an orange Cassidy in it. And so he goes back to his speech. He says, what is love? 
which prompts the crowd to sing um, the night at the Roxbury song, What is Love? Baby, what don't hurt me. What is love? Baby, Baby, don't hurt me. And Miro's like, that's fun. I love that song. <laughs> and so he is distracted. And then he's like, okay, guys, well, let's get to it. Let's eat some cake. And then he goes to move. And we find out that his ankle is chained to the bottom rope. Because at some point, the butler, Charles, has done this. And Chuck takes this opportunity to attack Kip. He ends up bumping Penelope. And she flies face first into the cake. So she's splattered with cake on his on her face. Kip tries to fight back. But then our friend Orange Cassidy pops out of the cake. And I believe Jenny, if she were here, would proclaim her victory in predicting this. She's probably super happy. Um, Andy, did you predict it? I predicted Orange Cassidy coming out of the cake. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. We somebody predicted it. And it was you. Okay. So you're you're so much alike, Andy. Like that she mistook you for your wife. The prediction. Oh, no, they say that couples start to like look like each other after a while. <laughs> the predictions about this wedding have been coming up way beyond the you know way before can, the state. Can I point out that was it not Miro who gave Kip the video game machine that got busted for his wedding? Was that not a thing that went on for like a month? Uh, yeah, Miro did, and then that's why they're mad at at Trent and Chuck is because they were like thrown into that machine. But by he FDR. said he didn't get him a gift. The video game machine was his gift. Well, that was their engagement present. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Yeah. Don't be an idiot, Jason. That gift didn't count. Um. So yeah, Chuck. And Orange work together to take out Kip. Miro is chained to the thing. Penelope is crying because she has cake on her face. And then, I don't know if you guys saw it. Um, on my end, JR said we're going picture in picture. And then I got to see Miro and Kip and Penelope, like, basically suffering the aftermath of this while the entire AEW crew tore down this setup and cleaned the ring out, which was impressive in itself. So... This was okay, the wedding. So, this was the wedding. <laughs> I will say this about the wedding. I thought I thought the wedding segment was good. I thought it was a good pro wrestling wedding segment. I do not think it makes up for how many balls they dropped in the lead up to this. They promised us a bachelor party. Yes. We did not get a bachelor party. They they set up this this potentially great thing where Chuck Taylor is Miro's manservant and they did absolutely nothing with it. There were no yes. skits. There was like there were like what two segments that were in the ring, and basically I think it amounted to Chuck had to like do that thing where you sit on the ropes to let someone get into the ring and ahead of you, and that's yeah. it. So oh, and I do not forgive Cassidy them for, that they weren't friends. And he made he made him he made him tell Orange Cassidy that they were not friends, which he was compelled to do. And Orange Cassidy reacted like his heart was broken by this fake thing that Chuck had said. Yep. <laughs> yes. So I'm. I can acknowledge that this was a good segment, but they really blew it. There was a chance for all, for this to be like the payoff to really great stuff. Yeah, it seems like all they used Chuck as the the butler for was to set up him having a good position to get Orange Cassidy to help him fight or like you know do something to Miro. Chuck didn't speak for these segments. Other than to tell Orange Cassidy that Mira was his new best friend. Mm-hmm. It's such a waste. Such a waste. My favorite part of the whole wedding was James Mitchell 
and the announcer's reaction to James Mitchell. Like, they, they the, the funny quips they were all doing. James was, Mitchell rules. I was, I was instantly, like, transported back to, like, 2007 <laughs> TNA with him and Abyss, and just yes. remembering... Remembering how good that pairing was. Yes. And man, we could use we could use a little more James Mitchell in AEW, I think, here sure. and there. Sure. Yeah. I just love when like the camera wasn't zoomed in on him yet, and they're they're like, I think the minister's in the ring. And then someone <laughs> says someone goes, He looks quite sinister. And then Excalibur <laughs> goes, It's James Mitchell that's the minister. And then JR's like, Oh thank God you cleared that up or whatever. <laughs> like and then this before they showed his face. Uh, Excalibur goes, oh, it looks like you got his eyebrows done for the occasion. And, like, they had, like, the devil's horns in them. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Those yeah. eyebrows were wild. They defied gravity. It was... I did not know who this man was. It was but they, bananas. It, the weird, like, trying to stay kayfabe crap between the announcers talking about James Mitchell was cracking me up. And then Mitchell's Delivery of his lines was fantastic. I cackled laughing at um, the one where he said, when instead of saying to have and to hold, he said to have and to grope. I like for both of them. I just thought, oh, and, and um, instead of forsaking all others, kayfabing all others. Yes, yes, yes. Great, great scripting yep. for both this. Um, great, great stuff all around. Yeah. Yep. So that was our wedding. All right. From there, we get a clip of Shaq on his show Inside the NBA. Someone woke Shaq up. I know. Finally, he wasn't just like mumbling and whispering about how he killed Cody. (laughs) Cupcake Cody Rhodes. Shaq is going to beat you worse than he did Chuck, a.k.a. Charles Barkley, who was like 20 feet away, but like the fourth person down on the desk. When we Inside got the NBA crew taking COVID seriously. Which I appreciate, but when we got the like, like we start out with the close up on Shaq, and then when they went to the wide shot, I'm like, God damn, that desk is huge. Like they, they've like spread them out so far, which good, good. Um, but yeah, Shaq is here. Shaq is suddenly activated. I don't know what happened. Um, and the then check, the check cleared, Megan. <laughs> I guess that's what it is. Uh, one of the other hosts asks Shaq what his favorite wrestling move is, and he says the Black Tornado, and then he's like, let me demonstrate. And there's this plastic divider that he just goes over, and he does like kind of like a spin move. It almost looks like the Judas Effect, except it is. It's punches. <laughs> but then he takes his other... It, it's like he continues the twirl, and he takes his other hand and just punches straight forward so watch out cody i hope you scouted that shaq's finisher is what a child does with an action figure (laughs) yeah but he's you know he's giant so it's probably really effective um so yeah and uh after that we we learned that we've actually got a date to go off of shaq and jade are going to take on cody and red velvet on march 3rd this cannot come quick enough and then leave quick enough i mostly agree with you but i I actually thought Shaq was very good in this segment, finally. I I, I still don't care. <laughs> I so like it more than any of Shaq's segments I will so ta- far. I will take yeah. more of Shaq and then I, if I never have to see Jade Cargill again. So so this is what happened with this match. So this was planned for March 7th for, for the pay-per-view. Then, um, like two days ago, the NBA announced that the All-Star game 
was also going to be taking place on March seventh, and they hadn't they hadn't like firmed that up yet. So, Shaq has obligations to TNT to provide coverage for that event. So they had to move the match to Dynamite, and I think that's a really good move actually, because I think you're much more likely to get a large television audience to check out Shaq doing a free match on TNT than getting them to buy a pay-per-view for him. And I think that match probably isn't going to be like that strong in the ring, so it doesn't drag down the wrestling on the pay-per-view either. Correct. It's, yeah. it's a much better fit for Dynamite. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Do you think that also had to do with them moving the pay-per-view date? I don't know. That's possible, I guess. But I just know, I just, I connected the All-Star Game thing because that just happened like two days ago. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, I'm excited to see Shaq do, <laughs> I guess, any, any sort of wrestling. I, yeah, I mean, if he gets to that point, sure. Um, otherwise, just like, I want to see him choke slam Cody because I think Shaq choke slamming somebody would look really cool. <laughs> I want to see think... him do Shaq Fu. Oh, I think we're going to see 90% Jade and Red Velvet, sadly. No, no way. Cody's got to get some time in there. Yeah, Cody, I Cody will, should, I, yeah. but Shaq is very limited. I, I think we'll see I think we'll see uh, as much Cody and Jade as we will. Oh God. Uh, Jade and uh, Red Velvet. I think I think I think Cody's gonna sell a lot for Jade. Honestly, that seems fun. Like let yeah. her lift him up and throw him around. She is a powerhouse. Yeah, I let will her, believe let's see her. if she can Bianca Belair press slam him. <laughs> yes. Deadlift into a press, please. Yeah. That would be awesome. Don't be hating on my girl Bianca. I'm, I, we were complimenting her. She's just, so strong. Saying, I don't like Jade, so don't make the comparison. <laughs> okay. I'm saying, the, like, watching Bianca's matches, she's a good wrestler, but the most impressive thing was always to me, like, when she got the girl above her head. And I think Jade Cargo can do that. And so, you know, yeah. they're both very strong. <laughs> I just don't like her. I can't tell you why. Well, we'll find out if she, uh, on March 3rd, improves her her view or improves in your view i'm 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 rooting for red velvet on this one all right well i hope brandy comes out there and screams that's all she can do as a pregnant lady you can't risk getting hurt um but anyway next up we've got eddie kingston facing lance archer in a no dq lumberjack match uh lance gets the win with the blackout um I don't know how I felt about, about this one. It was, I would say, not as good as their their match that got cut off. I can't remember how the match previously ended. Um, Eddie Kingston cheated. He uh, loaded spinning back fist. Yeah. Oh, okay. And that's why I think this is happening. So when this match started, I honestly was like, "Why are we doing this again?" Because I couldn't remember. <laughs> and. I didn't really want to see it again. I like Lance Archer, but I'm still not still on Eddie Kingston. And I was really upset it was a lumberjack match because those are rarely ever good. I was okay with this match. I was excited to see Bear Country um, <laughs> beat up the Butcher and the Blade. And I which presume one, that'll... Which one are they? Because I... They're... They, like, have the red and black... They're like... a big fat tag team. Yeah, onesies. <laughs> the, the singlets. Okay, I yeah. saw them. They're, they're my favorite kind of tag team, Jason. Okay. It reminded me a lot of um, heavy machinery. Exactly. Yes. 
Okay. I don't think either of them is as charismatic as Otis, but we'll see. No. No, I was purely going off just stature and and big guyness. Like yeah. they're Thank a big guy tag team. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I know that the other match cut off, so there's no point of comparison. But uh, for you, Andy, but for me, this one, um, I thought Eddie did more in the last one, and in this one, he seemed to be trying to use the lumberjacks. To the point where he didn't have to wrestle. <laughs> like, he just kept attacking the lumberjacks. And it's like. That and tossing Lance into them. And then watching and try Also kind of like maestro directing. Being like hey, hey why don't you get him. He's on the outside now. And it's like. I don't see. Okay. From the, a logical standpoint. Right. Unless you are feuding with a lumberjack. What's the point of fighting with the lumberjack. It's not going to help you win the match. And he was just beating up all the baby-faced lumberjacks for no reason. I think the point was that the baby faces would attack Eddie, but obviously would not attack yeah, Lance. And then when Lance went off on the bad side, they still didn't always attack him because he's scary. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, okay, there's like eight baby faces out there, and you're hitting every single one of them. There's only one of you. Like, what is your strategy? This is stupid. I don't know, man. Then you, then you have to get in the ring with the freaking murder hawk monster, and you think you're going to stand a chance when you just got beat up by eight dudes? This was just nonsense to me. I just didn't understand what was happening. All right. Well, Lance gets the win, so they're one and one. I hope we never see it again. We probably will, though. Darn it. <laughs> uh, moving on from there, we go to... I think some sort of trailer in the parking lot area where FTR are hanging out. They are supposedly banned from the tag team battle royal. And Cash specifically is like, Jungle Boy, did you go tattle to someone? Um, so the fact that they were banned leads Tully to say that everyone is afraid of them. It's why they keep getting barred from various competitions. And, you know, that's fine, but they want to fight. And so Dax is like, hey, we're not bad men. But sometimes we got to do bad things. And then he, from the side, pulls a young Marco stunt over. He's tied to a rolly chair with tape over his mouth. And, um, if it's I don't Marco know. stunt, is that considered kidnapping? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's clearly not there by his own, you know, volition. Um, Tully gets real creepy. He gets like up in his business in a way that's like, get away, the bubble. There's a bubble of personal space, but we don't see what happens. I think Marco stunt just belongs to FDR now. So I think that this this does clear up a question that I had from yesterday when it was announced that FTR was suspended for the week. I thought it being so close to the actual match, it might have been a COVID thing. It was clearly not a COVID thing because they all filmed this together and with another <laughs> roster member. Yes. Um, so there are two things that I thought were notable about this promo. One, Tully Blanchard's lapels. Mm-hmm. They were yeah. insanely they were insanely sparkly. This was very Bobby Heenan. Yes. And two, um, they kidnapped someone. So (laughs) I don't know if you guys remember, but when Big Swole So if FTR does not get suspended for this, then I think Tony Khan's a racist. (gasps) uh, you, you You paused on me. Did you bring up the Britt Baker bit? Yes. Racist or sexist or both. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, 
I agree. They should get punished. But since this is all um, clearly like they were banned as part of a storyline, they didn't really say why. Okay, I have an idea. Like, did so, Tony, But did Tony Khan ban them? Yes. Yeah, he suspended them for their egregious attack after the match. Oh, okay. Okay, that was what I was missing. Andy, what if the idea is they're the number one ranked tag team, so they can still keep claiming they're the number one ranked tag team, but since they don't have a storyline for them that's, like, going to be happening soon with the tag team titles... We can keep pulling this out longer. So now Tony Khan can say, well, now you're suspended for kidnapping somebody. <laughs> and every every week they keep doing something to keep getting suspended so that they cannot you know, be in the tag title picture. And this kind of drags out a little longer. I mean, that's possible, but I kind of figured that they were just going to wrestle Jurassic Express at Revolution. Well, you can't keep saying they're the number one ranked tag team and then not put them with the Young Bucks again. I mean, I agree. Although I think I think probably what you do at Revolution is have is that be like the first really big win of Jurassic Express's career, you know? That's true. But you got to then you take then you take care of that problem. But when is Revolution? March seventh. March seventh. Okay, so they got to do a couple more weeks of Still then. So so they can still get suspended one or two more times. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. I or mean, like the young bucks just be pictured throwing money at Tony Khan as they walk to the ring. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I mean, like it just—it's—it's that um, you also got to consider the fact that Luchasaurus is one of your monsters, right? So it's not storyline uh, appropriate if they're in the same building and he's not trying to get revenge nonstop. See what I'm saying? You have to keep them separated somehow. I see what you're saying, but we got to we got to move on. Keep them separated. Oh, okay. So we're gonna get to the main event, but before we do that, we get a quick promo from Joey Janela. It's pretty straightforward. He's going after that TNT title against Darby, but I did think it was um, nice to note that, like he said, both he and Darby have a long history of mangling themselves and others. So I hope this match doesn't go horrible and violent but um joey janelle and darby both have zero regard for their own health and uh i think that's worrying <laughs> keep your eye out for a cracker barrel okay so yeah uh so that's the last thing we get before the main event with kenny omega and the good brothers facing off against john moxley and death triangle sans penta um and unfortunately guys the bullet club wins Gallows, this is the real crime, Gallows gets to pin Phoenix after he and Anderson do the magic killer on him. Um, But the content of this match was great. I think Ray Phoenix is amazing, and I love him so much. Um, He's the MVP for sure. Yeah, and he and Pac are both, like, athletic on a level that I just can't understand as a human being. (laughs) Um, And you know I love John Moxley, so... Good times all around, but uh, I thought this was a really entertaining match. I did find I mean, it interesting during commentary that they kept playing down the fact that John Moxley's been in six mans with the Shield, and I know they can't say the Shield, but they reference other people's past all the time with their past characters, and they kept acting like he's only ever done singles matches. He's a lone wolf. He's not used to teaming with people. I'm like bullshit. Like the man was in six mans for like three straight years. Like, <laughs> 
Yeah. It's been a long time. It's been six. It's been over six years since that broke up. Oh, I'm, God, I'm, that hurts I'm, my soul. <laughs> I'm just saying, he has experience. I have been pleasantly surprised by the in-ring of Doc Gallows. I've th- He's never someone who I was particularly impressed with. And maybe it's just because he's not doing singles matches, but I think he's really good in, in like in what he's asked to do in these matches so far. Yeah, he's a good base, especially for like Pac and Phoenix. I mean, these little guys. And, and he doesn't and he doesn't seem to have like an ego about selling for smaller guys. And that no. super kick he did. Jeez. Yeah. 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 yeah if he he's... could just stop waving his <laughs> dick around, like I wouldn't have a problem with him. <laughs> this match ruled. I don't know how much there more there is to say about it, but this was a great this is a great uh, main event. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I would recommend finding it if you did not see it. Yeah. I had yeah. I had the same gripe as Jason did when the the announced team was like Moxley's not tagging out because he doesn't understand how tag team wrestling works because he's used <laughs> to being a lone wolf and I'm like sirs sirs he was part of the shield um but other than that yeah the match itself was awesome and then after the match we had kind of a big event happen um first of all the Bullet Club decided to continue beating up their opponents because they're jerks. And then Lance Archer runs out and clears out the ring, except for Moxley and Omega. And Moxley slowly stands up and gets ready to do something like he's going to do something to Kenny, who's still on the ground. But all of a sudden, a masked man runs into the ring and knocks him down. And it is revealed that it is Kenta. And he's got purple hair, which I love. Um, And so then he does the go to sleep on Moxley. (sighs) And I don't know. Kenta's just amazing. And then he takes off and Kenny decides that since Moxley's down, he's going to put his foot on him as if he had anything to do with it. And then we get a shot of Kenta just shaking his head being like, dude. So (laughs) while this is happening, the announcers are freaking out and talking about, you know, John Moxley's imaginary uh, United States title that he never carries with him. Um, And Don Callis says... Yeah, he, he he acts like he knew it was ha- going to happen. And he was like, things always happen when we come around, don't they? And I'm like, you don't have anything to do with Kenta. He's not in your company. So I don't know if he's trying to take credit. But did you all see the post-match you, or Twitter stuff? I know Andy did because he talked about it to me. Um, yeah, we saw it. Yeah, he sent it to me. So um, Kenta basically shot down... Omega, fuck like you, he, Kenny. Yeah, yeah. So like, so Kenny ne- was so Kenny was so funny at the beginning of that when he said like, "Oh, hey, Kenta, uh, brother Switchblade didn't tell me that you were coming." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, I I don't know what Don Callis' play is here because he's acting like it, it's his invisible hand gimmick, right? But he it appears they're not in control of Kenta. Well, yeah, he's he's just full of shit. Yeah, Don Callis is good at being that guy. Um, is Kenta Kenta's New Japan though, right? Like, yep. so he's allowed to appear on these things, but like, he ultimately he's going to return to Japan at some point. Well, I don't. I mean, he he you know he he's done some dates for New Japan this year, but he lives in Orlando. Oh, still, I thought he moved back after. No, I think his I think his family likes it here, so he just stayed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, 
So, I guess just to touch on this, uh, here's a story from The Observer. Uh, On the Wednesday edition of Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer said that a deal is done on a working relationship between AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Kenta's appearance at Wednesday's Beach Break and next week's Lights Out match with he and AEW World Champion Kenny Omega versus Jon Moxley and Lance Archer are kicking things off. But Meltzer said he's unaware of anything else planned after that. However, Meltzer said, I know people that can't wait to go back to Japan. Put it that way. Uh, The impetus for the deal was New Japan's desire to have Jon Moxley defend the IWGP US title he won back in January of 2020. Because of pandemic-related travel restrictions, that was unable to happen, but they also didn't want to strip him of the title. Since Kenta lives in Orlando, Florida, that made a match possible, but since it would have to be in the US, a deal had to be struck with AEW's Tony Khan first. Meltzer didn't say when the deal was struck, but speculated that the pandemic actually helped move things along quicker, as Moxley would have just traveled to Japan to defend the title as normal if travel was unrestricted. Uh, Moxley vs. Kenta will air on the February 26th New Japan Strong. Uh, There was interest in having both sides work together when AEW was launching, but New Japan was skeptical of how successful the new venture would be. And, uh, And then, you know, and obviously we've talked about they have a new president since then who maybe thinks of things differently. So I don't know. This, this all seems very exciting to me. Thanks COVID. Yeah. Yeah. If there's a silver lining, I'm, I just, I love in that clip on Twitter that Kenny just goes, Tony Khan, don't worry. Like schedule the tag match. Me and Kenta, my buddy, I'm going to get him back on my side. Don't worry about it. And it's like, I just love it. The character work is great. This is going to be good. This is amazing. And I want more New Japan people also. Like, if there's a deal, bring yeah. more over. Megan, what was what did you think when uh, when Kenta, like, what was your thought upon that happening? I was like, oh, shit, he's coming for that title on this side of the, <laughs> the pond, if you will. Like, I know we had talked about how um, they have, like, an ongoing thing, and Kenta wants that title that Moxley has. But like you said, I thought that, based on what John Moxley had said, he would be going to Japan. Like, I just thought that was going to be part of New Japan's, like, local Japanese programming. Um, yeah. So this is, I was not expecting it. Like, it totally surprised me. Jason? I was happy. Um, I was surprised because I did not know anything about a deal. I knew they were feuding. I'd seen the clips in, from the shows in Japan, etc. Um I know you told me they were doing a match in the U.S. Um, or had already done it. I don't remember at that time if it was or wasn't. I can't, can't remember dates. Um, but my first thought was just like, oh, we're going to talk about New Japan now. That's fine. Okay. Okay. Because immediately Excalibur is like, he has the IWGP briefcase. It's like, well, he doesn't have it now. But okay, I see what you're saying. <laughs> And then he mentions the IWGP US title, which they've never mentioned the entire time John Moxley has had it, which cracked me up because I'm like, you know, I know you don't want to spoil it, but maybe he should have had it with him that day or something. But um, yeah, I just, I thought, okay, if you're saying all this stuff and here he is, this is a real thing. This is a deal. Something's been done. Um, Kenta also had a GTS club shirt on, which I know the Bullet Club thing has been done like parodied many or like there's many forms of it but with the good brother showing up and now kenta and and like you said 
Kenny being like, brother Switchblade didn't tell me. Like, are we just going to get the Bullet Club at some point? Are they going they, to be allowed to really say it? It seems that way. I mean, they, they, they said it last week. Yeah. Um, they said the words, you know. Maybe. It really does feel like we've reunited Bullet Club and we're just going to exist across three promotions. Yeah, do you think Bullet Club is going to go intercontinental and also, like, interpromotional? <laughs> Maybe. I mean... It always did before anyway, because they would go to CMLL and ROH. But it's, right, just, yeah. it's just now they're with multiple companies with television in the United States. That could be fun. So I so I was I, I was pretty sure something like this was going to happen at some point because Kenta on Twitter and he has a little bit of a Twitter troll, but every week he posts something about like, <laughs> how long does it take to drive to Jacksonville? Or like, you know, oh, what's going on in Jacksonville today? Like, it seems like every Wednesday, like clockwork, there's Didn't something. Didn't he say also that at one point, though, like, my Wednesdays are very busy or something like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. So I was expecting it to happen at some point, but I was still very shocked that it, you know, to actually see it because, you know, who I didn't know when it was going to happen. But uh, uh yeah, yesterday his tweets were, let me ask, how far from Orlando to Jacksonville? <laughs> then it's going to be a great day. And then a picture of him hoisting Moxley onto his shoulders uh, with the caption, I'm fucking Kenta. <laughs> Kenta, you son of a bitch. I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so this, is, this was great. Um, the Like, you know, obviously aside from the Brody Lee tribute show, because that's unassailable but like the last 30 minutes of this show were about as good as anything you're gonna see anytime anytime soon i think oh yeah so i had this epiphany last night after the show and grand i was probably coming off of a high because like you said the show was really good but um i was thinking well (laughs) well i didn't go to sleep till like 1 a.m but that's a normal for me um but i was thinking wow okay i just watched a show that featured John Moxley, formerly Dean Ambrose, Kenny Omega, and Kenta in a main event angle in a show that also featured Chris Jericho and Sting. (laughs) A lot of layers to that onion. (laughs) And I was just like, this is like every generation of wrestling across every spectrum all on one show and it all made sense and it was all enjoyable. And there was luchadors. I didn't even mention Ray Phoenix. I mean, like it's just, yeah. You know, you know, we've we 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 crossed 90s professional wrestling, the attitude era professional wrestling, Japanese luchadors, modern like strong style. Yeah, Jason, American like, indies as as ever AEW is a uh is a like mid 90s WCW tribute promotion. <laughs> yeah, it's just like such a diverse I mean, you had like, a mid 90s WCW man show up. I we did. And it's just you know, it's just <laughs> To, and, and then when you think about what like Raw and SmackDown have become, where it's all either old guys from like the ruthless aggression era that have never left, or they brought back because they can't make any new people, and then these performance center people mixed with some indies that people that they have like taken down so many notches, like Ricochet, and you're like. Like, what are you doing? Like, it's I can't I can't on paper understand why one company gets it and the other company doesn't. <laughs> I love that tweet, Andy. You sent me. I mean, I didn't love it. It kind of made me sad about the Royal Rumble and how 
it's the oldest batch of men's wrestlers like in royal rumble history and uh just the like added line of unrelated they have a million dollar performance center <laughs> like that was such a sick burn i'm like good lord <laughs> and and to be comparative to to that and AEW you know the royal rumble is one of those matches that they you know put a lot of thought and effort into and that was Andy and I spoke about this via text. The Rumble was way more enjoyable than anything they put together on their weekly television. And if you look at the characters who were in that Rumble, they didn't wrestle like they do on normal television. And it's like, why can't they see that? <laughs> like, Matt Riddle was like a star in that sh- match with Daniel Bryan. And those two don't get to do anything on TV like that. And it's just like, AEW gets it. And they actually let these guys do what they do and do it well. And you get, and I'm, you know, they're letting Sting go out there and be Sting. WWE had to be WWE Sting. You know what I mean? Like, and only use them, you know, when we kind of have somebody spooky we want you to do or but something. Maybe, maybe we want to reach a middle ground where they pull him back a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but w- yeah. WWE never let him talk hardly. And they weren't going to let him wrestle until, like, something just came up. And they were like, oh, hey, you want to do a match with Seth Rollins that will nearly kill you? All right. You and Jenny could have a whole diatribe about this. but Does she care for Sting? (laughs) She did not like that Seth Rollins match. She keeps going on about how five years ago he had a match and he can't wrestle and he's old. Um, So you guys could talk. Wrestle. He was just, he took it unsafe. Move. Don't come at me. You talk to Jenny. That's I'm all I'm saying. saying. You text her. Let her know. I'm not going to fight with my one of my best friend's wives. <laughs> I say that like he has more than one, so excuse the S. One of his harem. <laughs> Jenny's going to be shocked to hear that. Um, but yeah. AEW is great. I enjoyed this show. Uh, like you said, the last 30 minutes were great. I like the, the opening match, as with most AEW episodes that opening match is great and I think just looking through going down the card and looking at what happened um I didn't think it was a bad show I have a final question for Andy sure where are my freaking trios championships I think I think it's gonna happen this year because they said at the next Jericho cruise we didn't get a Jericho cruise, but we got a beach show. Where's my t- <laughs> Well, we got a beach show last year, even with the Jericho cruise. To be fair, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be this year. Well, they ended with a trios match worthy of trios championships. I totally agree with you. So well, hopefully, hopefully, it. hopefully, after we get through this this women's tournament, we'll we'll have another tournament this time for trios titles. I just hate how the, it like. I feel like. Kenny has said it. Tony Khan has said it. Maybe even Cody has said it. Like, it keeps coming up in interviews. Like, are we getting trios titles? And they're like, oh, you know, it's something we want to do or whatever. I'm like, just do it. Well, maybe MJF and Jericho will bring Wardlow in as their third. Their no, big beefy gonna, third. And it's, then, it's you know. Kenny and um, um, Santino and Ortiz. Not Santino, Santana. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if they replaced Santana with Santino and the team, <laughs> Santino that would be a bad idea, but it would be amusing <laughs> for a few weeks. It would have comedic chemistry. Yeah. All right. Well, it sounds like everybody loved the show. I'm glad. This is a good week for you to be on, Jason. 
big big things happened. We got to t- talk all about it and chop it up. Yeah. Um, check out this week's uh, So We Were Told Wrestling Radio if you want to hear more of me and Jason. We've been at it every week for eleven years. It's it's uh it's ten years. Sorry, ten years. I, I gave us an extra year. It's crazy our consistency. Um, it's really it's really impressive. Uh, <laughs> guys are dedicated. I respect yeah, I, that. I know. Thank you. Thank you. It's Asian, uh, but you know it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening for Jason and for Megan. I'm Andy. And thank you all for listening to the elite beat. E, elite beat. E, e, elite beat. <laughs>